yum nub. Eat out the yum nub. I told me to be chicken. Yubcast, you're a Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name is Matt, and Mercy doesn't defeat an enemy master, which is why you're going to lose. <laughs> and my name's Jamie, and oh no, I'd be much too frightened to tease a senator. Nice. We both did Anakin quotes. <laughs> Mine's from uh, Obi-Wan, where they're sparring in the flashback. All right, yeah, mine's from, uh, I guess, is that the Naboo scene, where they're frolicking? Yeah, that's where they're where they're having their roll around in the hay moment with all of the shock or whatever they're called. Yeah, the um, I remember going to see it opening day and like somebody had brought their baby, which I can understand. We both have kids. We both love Star Wars. Like a new Star Wars comes out, and you've got a baby, and you're like, uh, what do I do? And so you take the baby, and so during that scene, like the kid is like screaming and crying, and of the dialogue no just because there is little like one year old maybe and just because there wasn't a lot of people in it because it was the middle of the day um and somebody's just like just take the kid out this this part sucks anyways and i I think they did (laughs) i just remember this like oh it's yeah i I guess this is kind of like uh, but i'm the glasses with anything star wars so i'm willing to uh Willing to overlook a lot of weirdness. Yeah, I think I think Attack Attack of the Clones was one of the movies where I I was pretty cynical about Star Wars when I got to it. Um, I don't know, I was like twenty one or twenty two when it came out, and I was just sort of like that early twenties asshole version of myself. I'm pretty sure I went by myself and sat by myself and didn't like it as mm-hmm. I was leaving the theater. I liked the last battle, right? But yeah. I just didn't didn't like any of the Naboo stuff at all. And like we we've done this whole thing together. Um, I'm over my prequel hate, but but I think yeah, a baby crying in that scene might have improved it. <laughs> I will say I went to see Godzilla minus one tonight, and the movie theater was relatively empty. Because it's we're recording this the day after Christmas. I know we're on like a four week delay just based on how many we have in the can, but we're recording this on December twenty sixth, two thousand twenty three. So Godzilla minus one has been in the movie theater for a couple of weeks, and the movie theater I was in was pretty empty. But someone did bring like the one a one year old to it, and they were crying through the previews. And then for some reason they didn't make a peep throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah, I hate it when people bring. Um really really small children to movies yeah it's like i um i went to go see iron man 2 and these this couple brought like all their kids in and some of the kids were running around but i couldn't really um hear them it didn't really distract me but what pissed me off because like my first kid was only like maybe one one and a half um that was one of the loudest movies i've ever been to like, like I've even like, maybe like even like some of the concerts that I've seen, and I've seen some really loud bands, and I was just like, "What the fuck is wrong with you bringing a baby into this? This is so loud that they're gonna you're gonna ruin this kid's hearing." Right. I mean, they probably didn't know it was gonna be that loud when they signed up for it, but I don't take 
like my kids are now eight and twelve, right? And so they're relatively well behaved in the movie theater, but I still have to tell the younger one like, like don't snap your water bottle. Mm-hmm. Right? He like he like sucked in on the water bottle, and also it collapsed, and then he blew into it, so it reinflated. And I told him like don't do that again. <laughs> and I'm I'm a relatively strict parent about like public behavior. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. Godzilla was good though. You should see it if you can. Or yeah, just wait um, for it to be screaming. Yeah, my 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 friend who was in Sharknado um, said it was good. So, with an endorsement like that, <laughs> <laughs> we haven't talked about Sharknado in forever. <laughs> probably not <laughs> since, first... probably not since like uh, it first came out. I was willing to give it a try because my friend was an extra in it, and then it was like I made it through his the scene that he was in, and it was like <laughs> this movie really sucks. <laughs> I mean, they would have. They, they set out to make a shitty movie. Mission accomplished. <laughs> in the in, the, <laughs> I don't know. So, um, so uh, today we're going to be talking about what? Um, I'm sorry. I'm trying to I'm trying to fill the time with uh, small adventure. We're going to be talking about uh, Clone Wars episode 23, Mystery of a Thousand Moons, which is uh, actually season one, episode 18 for. Uh, those of you who are interested in watching it but uh, before we get into it uh, we usually talk about something uh, Star Wars related we went a little off track but uh, Matt have you done anything Star Wars related? Well since it's December 26th I thought it would be fun to talk about if we got anything Star Wars for Christmas did uh, you get anything Star Wars for Christmas? I I only got like two things <laughs> um, uh, no, no no I got three no four things Um but yeah, no, none of them, none of them had anything to do with Star Wars. Well, I told you what I what I got for Christmas for Star Wars related. I got the uh, companion reference guide for the old continuity. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a book written by Pablo Hidalgo and others, and it's basically a compendium to explain like the old continuity of pre Disney continuity of Star Wars. It breaks up all of the books by um, era. And so it's like pre-Empire or like prequel era or pre-prequel era. Um, and then like walks all the way through to like the, the Lost Tribe of the Sith stuff that happens like hundreds of years after Return of the Jedi in the old continuity. And it talks about what characters were in there. It summarizes, it shows like the arcs of all the characters throughout all the books and everything. It's several hundred pages. It's just like a great reference guide. And so I was reading a lot of that um, in the past day, uh, flipping through there. Um, and then I got the uh, High Republic character encyclopedia, which is another sort of reference, piece of reference material for the High Republic. And I that book is, I haven't had a lot of time to go through that. That was actually from my kids. Um, I'm going to look it up real quick because yeah. I'm pretty sure uh, Amy wrote that. So Yeah, I'm surprised that they would bring that out because the, I guess, I don't know, is the final phase of the High Republic is just now starting up. So there's, there's like new characters being introduced. Yeah, so I'm not sure. I haven't had a lot of time to spend with it. Um, and so I'm not sure if it covers phase three, but I hope it does. That would be pretty weird if it didn't. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like we're right at the beginning of Phase Three. Very little material has been released for Phase Three, um, and so I, I doubt they would have allowed spoilers in this thing. 
but uh, yeah, one of the authors is uh, Amy Richow, which is a friend of the pod. Um, she she did this uh, women in Star Wars thing years ago. Oh yeah, Star Wars thing years ago, and uh, she tweeted about Kia Mole because of our podcast back then. <laughs> yeah, like I, in droids. <laughs> yeah, I, I I wonder if they're ever going to have to do like a second volume to that because. Since it came out, there's a lot of, um, I mean, there's a lot of High Republic uh, female characters. Plus, um, I'm a little behind on the comics, but I'm sure that there are some from the comics, as well as um, Andor, Kenobi, um, and oh, yeah. uh, and um, uh, the Mandalorian, and Ahsoka, right? There's, and Ahsoka. There's, there's lots of great. Great new uh, female characters in Star Wars. Yeah, I saw I saw a meme the other day saying that uh, the biggest sin Kenobi did was to kill that uh, female underground railroad uh, defector, like the Imperial officer that picks up Kenobi on the road. Mm-hmm. Remember her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She. Um, oh, she's from something I can't think of at the moment. But well, he doesn't kill her. He, she just she dies, right? That's what that, that's what I meant. Like right. the, oh. the, the greatest thing that the series Kenobi did was the great the greatest mistake they did in the series Kenobi was to let um, the imperial female officer die. Her name is Tala um, Durath. Tala Durath. That's a good Star Wars name. Yeah, yeah. They um, yeah. I would definitely like another. Um, I would like another book. Because it, um, because for like for one thing, they um, they slapped a lot of like female characters they didn't need to in there. Um, just like it seemed like they needed um, they needed to add a few. So there there's some people in there that are just like really like the sommelier I think from like the um, Canto Bite books, and then like the handmaidens, and then like some of the people who like. Um, who are like part of the resistance, but you just they maybe have like one line or something, right? Not a rose, but like a blink and you miss it sort of glove shadow. Yeah, what what would be the uh, female um, glove shadow? Oh, I thought I think it's unisex, but oh, glip glip Yeah, shita is where it's going. Like, <laughs> maybe if we're, if we're following uh. Uh, masculine, um, like Spanish rules, yeah. or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think we talked about this book a long time ago on the pod, but they, I'm sure that there was direction to include something from every movie or every property, yeah, that you could think of and spread it out. But like, isn't Chaz in that book, Chaz and Mari, or oh, uh, yeah, yeah, all like. Like almost so like every character, but like, and I've complained about it, and I've complained about it. Is that like one of the coolest characters was the was the Twi'lek, um, was the female Twi'lek in the book Lords of the Sith, which is a canon book. She was essentially like a serial killer. She was like to blow off steam. She would go find an Imperial and just beat the shit out of him or kill him. Isval. Isval. Yeah. Yeah, I love that character. Yeah, and then. And then, um, well, I won't say it, but she prompts Darth Vader to have a pretty awesome line at the very end of the book. <laughs> yeah. Just read that book, everybody. It's one of the best 
like that book is a top 10 new continuity book for me for sure mm-hmm. very complicated plot and actually it ties into sort of our recording because unless we roll a one on unless i roll a one on the die today our next episode is a ryloth arc yeah um, so so that's what i we can talk about other things I did Star Wars, but I want to check in with you and see if you did any Star Wars in the past week. I finished the uh, I finished the Eye of Darkness. That was a great book. I'm only halfway through, so it's, I'll finish it before we record again. Yeah, I won't say I, I won't say anything to ruin it for anybody, but there's some there's some like just there's like one interesting thing that happens that I'm really hoping is that they'll bring in for like the next in the next books but that it was just like because like they brought it in and all of a sudden just like holy shit they're gonna fu- they're gonna up their game on this this is this is like i'm here for this um so hopefully it's, it's something that's foreshadowing for things to come but overall it was a really great book i i i, I can't recommend it enough if you're a star wars completionist read it if you're into if you're into the high republic definitely read it Though I, I doubt it. if anybody's if you found our podcast and you're into Star Wars, you're you've already read it or it's on your list. So I'm just preaching to the choir here. But for those of you who got led astray by a friend, go read it. It's a good book. Yeah, those novels in the High Republic uh, have just been so good, um, just been so phenomenal. I will be shocked. Like if you're if you don't like it, that's fine. But yeah, I highly recommend all of it. Yeah, because um, they they have a plan. They're sticking to the plan, and they don't have to dance around certain things. Um, the only thing they seem to be dancing around is Mandalorians. They're never mentioned. Yeah, they don't have to be in everything. Yeah, but um, um, but other than that, it's not like 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 in the past they'd have to wait till the next movie came out. Um, or something because they didn't you couldn't talk about luke because well we had to wait for the last jedi to come out just so you could just kind of like you could have a kind of a mediocre book about luke uh, pre force awakens but you couldn't really just have luke on an adventure or something but this is just like it's wide open because there's a big time gap in between uh the high republic and the phantom menace so there's really it's really like no holds barred yeah, I'm looking at the High Republic page right now, and we've got stuff coming out in January and March um, for this phase. And then at the bottom, this is on the StarWars.com. At the bottom, it says, and still yet to come, a new middle grade young adult and adult novels, including Temptation of the Force, Beware the Nameless, and Tears of the Nameless. And Tears of the Nameless is written by George Mann, who wrote um, The Eye of Darkness, which is what we're talking about right now. So. Yeah, I'm very excited, and I hope they wrap it up and um, and are able to tie it in. I know people are saying that it gets. I know the authors are teasing that it does tie into a lot of other Star Wars, so that's good too. Yeah, they. Um, I'm sure they. I'm sure it will. Um, I know there's things to come, but um, yeah, I'm I'm super thrilled with it. I don't mind the creativity of like dancing around a subject because you can't talk about it, but. I like the fact that they're just like all in. They go back to certain characters and like nothing's off limits. 
Oh yeah, it's very obvious that nothing is off limits, and this they'll kill beloved characters mm-hmm. um, just cause. And I, I like that that level of stakes that they've added to to the show, or to not to the show, but to the series. So yeah, I'm I loved I love when they do this mixed media thing too, and it shows what you can get away with when you have a plan. So I hope they take this into consideration when they're doing other things um, in Star Wars in the future. Uh, I know I joked about this because it was going around on Twitter, but last week was supposed to be the release date of, um, what's it called, Rangers? of the uh, Rogue Squadron. Oh, Rogue, Squadron. Rogue Squadron, the movie, by the uh, Wonder Woman director. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite Twitter jokes that was going around was people complaining about things they saw in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was great, and so I, I said my favorite line in the movie was when uh, Babu Frick turns to the camera and says, I guess it's time to have a Star Wars. Hey, hey. <laughs> so I don't I don't want to dwell on it, but I, I do get frustrated sometimes when we, um, when we get teased by Lucasfilm for this stuff. Yeah. Saying like, like, oh, we have all of these movies coming out. And I actually looked at a list of movies that they've announced and are not producing anymore. And it was longer than I thought. Um, announced or leaked, you know what I mean. But but there's been like nine different movies that have been canceled in one form or another, or repurposed to something else. And it's just a little frustrating. I do want Star Wars to go back to the big screen, but I'm fine with them taking a break. Yeah, me I too. Think, I think we got a little oversaturated for a little bit. Yeah, get uh, kind of like get your house in order. Yeah. Kathleen Kennedy, um, we're not a Kathleen Kennedy hating podcast, but Dave Filoni has been promoted to executive, whatever, creative director, which is good and bad as far as we're concerned. Um, But hopefully he'll at least put together a plan, right? Mm -hmm. As long as it doesn't involve Ahsoka, he'll probably not mess with canon too much. But he does have sort of a history of ignoring the books. Yeah. Which right. is which bothers people like us. Yeah, and just taking something from the books and then just changing it. Yeah, I can do that better. Yeah. <laughs> right, I, and maybe he can, but but don't shit on don't shit on other people creatively. Yeah. There's a hilarious. I've been, I watch a lot of interviews with Dave Filoni and other Star Wars staff for this show, and there's a hilarious. Um, I think I talked about it in our episode where Jar Jar dresses up like a Jedi. Mm-hmm. Oh. Where, what was it called? Bombad Jedi. Bombad Jedi, yeah. Um, where there was a scene where Jar Jar falls through a hole in the floor and leaves the cloak behind. And the one of the animators said, like, I, I made this as an homage to when Obi-Wan died and the only thing that was remaining was the cloak. And Dave was sitting there in the interview and he's like, oh, you never told me that. And he's like, "We could, you should have told me that at the time. We could have made it look better. <laughs> And it's like he just kicks him in the balls in the middle of this interview for no reason. Like, it's like, all right. I don't know. He's a cool guy, though. He's done a lot for Star Wars. Yes. All right. Do you want to move on to the show, or do you want to talk about anything else? Uh, we should probably uh, get to the show.
All right, so today we're talking about Mystery of a Thousand Moons. It is Season 1, Episode 18 of Clone Wars. This is the 23rd episode of ours covering Clone Wars, because we're doing them in continuity order, not in release order. Um, this episode originally aired on February 13th, 2009. Before we talk about the plot, um, I like to talk about cast and crew. And today we're going to talk about the actor David Kaufman, um, because he is our guest star today. He plays Jabo Hood. Um, this is, and that we'll get to who Jabo is in a little bit. But, uh, this is David's only Star Wars credit, but he's a voiceover actor who's worked on several shows, um, primarily a show called Danny Phantom, which is a kid show from 2003 to 2007. He was the main character, Danny Phantom, on that show. I've never seen this show, but I do recognize the character. Um, I think it, he's been on the cover of some books with my kids, my kids reader, whatever. He keeps reappearing as Danny Phantom in a ton of video games right now, sort of attached to like the SpongeBob multiverse. I think they're just from the same production company. Um, he also appeared in 13 episodes of the Stuart Little cartoon, the mouse cartoon, several episodes of Freakazoid, and 26 episodes of the Back to the Future cartoon from the 90s. Did you ever watch that cartoon? Mm-mm. Yeah, I did. It was okay. <laughs> but he was born in the 60s, and his acting career started in the early 80s, um, so when he was like 20. And he's one of those like background players. And he's been on a bunch of shows, including Little House on the Prairie, Remington Steel, Night Court, Simon to Simon. And he was the main character on a series called Down to Earth, which I tried to look up what the show was. I'd never heard of it. It ran for several years in the 80s. But it's about a 1920s flapper, a ghost of a 1920s flapper, trying to help her family from the afterlife. It looks cheap. And I don't, I didn't watch any episodes, but it just, it was what he was known for back then, I guess. I think he played the dad in that show and... Like, I guess the premise is, is his grandmother is the ghost. <laughs> so take it or leave it. Anyway. Yeah, I, I, I see it. It um, Yeah, it looks very cheap. But a lot of things back then, it compared, compared to how things are now, night and day. Yeah, to be super clear, like, All in the Family looks like cheap production mm-hmm. right now. And All in the Family is, like, establishment tele- television for the time. But it, it sort of looks like that. Um, the other... Any questions about David? Nope. We're going to talk about Jabo uh, in the episode, so we'll get to what Jabo is all about. The other person I wanted to highlight is the writer Brian Larson. I tried to see if we talked about him before because he is a Clone Wars writer. Um, he wrote, uh, for example, Cat and Mouse, which is the first episode we ever covered of Clone Wars. Um, and he, he'll write a couple more in the future. Uh, he's only listed in our notes. There's no explanation of what he did. But he is uh, a pretty prominent artist and writer for um, uh, cartoons. Uh, he wrote for, well, he was in the art department for um, Men in Black, the cartoon, the Jackie Chan Adventures, Powerpuff Girls, Samurai Jack, which is a Tartavosky, um property. And the reason, one of the reasons why Tartavosky was offered Clone Wars was because of Samurai Jack and the art in Samurai Jack. Um, and he worked on Ratatouille, Justice League, and 
um, was the in the animation department for the movies Sky High, Iron Giant, and Brave. Um, so he's worked on some pretty big properties here as well. He wrote four, or sorry, he was he was the writer for four Clone Wars episodes. We've already covered two of them, so we'll see him in a future episode, Weapons Factory, which is a great episode too. Um, so thank you, Brian. Any questions about Brian or no. David? Uh, impressive resume. All right. Do you want to move on to the plot? Okay. So the little uh, fortune cookie uh, stinger at the beginning is a single chance is a galaxy of hope. And we'll get to whether that was uh, relevant later. So this is continuing the uh, the last episode uh, about the blue shadow virus. So uh, Dr. Nuvo Vindi is captured and is going to be uh, transported to... Um, uh, they, is he going to Theed? Yeah, they're taking him to Theed. Yeah, so he's going to be um, transported to Theed for trial. Uh, it's actually funny that they're going to be using a separatist shuttle for it. I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Oh but, yeah, good call. I, I did. I missed that detail. So, like in the greenhouse, Padme and Ahsoka and some of the clones are looking at one of the bombs, and they realize that a virus container is missing. The clones sound the alarm and go back to the armory to check all the bombs. The Leppy droid from the last episode is carrying the virus uh, vial from the last bomb. Now, a flashback to Vindy. Vindy's excited that they're missing some of the virus. He tells them that they're all doomed. The clones see the droid, and he detonates the bomb, releasing the virus inside the lab. Ahsoka and the clones are running to the safe room. Um, Ahsoka seals the lab off from the rest of um, the planet. So uh, before I just continue, I I really liked how they did the explosion. Like it was more like a, it was just like a big like like a, like a fast moving blue gas. Yeah. So they they make that. It's a really cool art shot, right? Because um, you you have to telegraph to the audience what's happening, and when you can't see air, right? Yeah. And this this virus is airborne, so they made it blue, and so you see like this blue fog, filling the lab, and. You, you can see who's getting infected by it. I, I love the effect, too. Yeah. Um, in fact, when they get into the safe room, you can see just like there's just a little bit coming in. And I was going to um, – I was prepared to rant during our recording because it had been a while since I'd watched this one. They're like, that's not how viruses work, blah, blah, blah. Even a little bit, they could have gotten sick. But no need to worry. But I'm getting ahead of myself there. So uh, she reports to Anakin that they're sealed, and, and she doesn't know where Padme is. Padme contacts Anakin. She's in her pressure suit with Jar Jar, meaning that they're not in the same pressure suit, but they're with, together, and they're both in pressure suits. Dangling <laughs> modifiers, thank you. <laughs> That's really why he turns to the dark side, because... Because they're in the same pressure suit. He's a, he saw the ultrasound, and the kids looked a lot like Jar Jar. Excellent. <laughs> I like that better than the Darth Jar Jar theory. Yeah. <laughs> Jar Jar is actually Luke's dad. <laughs> okay. All right, I'm going to go to one of those baby AI generators, and I'm going to make Jar Jar and Padme um, offspring baby photos. <laughs> All right, do it. Um, um so she's safe. The virus is loose. Padme says that any remaining droids will try to break out. They have to stop the droids so the virus will not be released onto Naboo. 
Anakin threatens Vindy, asks him for the cure. Vindy says that he didn't make a cure, that he's that wasn't his job. His job was to just make the virus. Anakin threatens to kill him, and Vindy says that he would rather die by lightsaber than the virus. Obi-Wan says they need to think this through and find the antidote. Now, it's um, Anakin's very kind of on edge, which can understand that uh, that uh, Padme's, Padme's there. And, I mean, same with Ahsoka, but Padme's the, kind of the thing that like always drives him bananas when she's in danger. So inside the base, the clones and Ahsoka realize that they were exposed by the virus. Padme contacts them, and Ahsoka tells her where they are and that they're exposed to the virus. So Vindi is handed over to Naboo guards. Tytho tells Anakin and Obi-Wan that there might be a cure to the blue shadow virus, an extract of Risca root from the planet Iago, a world of thousand moons deep in separatist space. And is, sorry, Anakin is eager to go. Tytho says that they can send troops, but Obi-Wan and Anakin go alone. They take the twilight. Uh, Obi-Wan says Padme and Ahsoka will be fine. Anakin that's right. Anakin says that's true if they succeed in their mission. Now, inside the lab, the droids are trying to figure out how to leave. Padme and Ahsoka meet up. Ahsoka and Padme make a plan to destroy the remaining droids. Padme, Jar Jar, and the clones confront some droids cutting through the hull of the lab. Padme orders that the droids not open the hatch, but the droid fires at the hatch anyway and is killed by his own ricochet. So I thought that was cool. I really like that scene because it, it sort of harkens back to Han shooting his blaster yeah. and the trash compactor and it going everywhere. And obviously the, the, yeah. And I, I like, it's I do like this sealed. whole, yeah, magnetically sealed. I, I do like this whole conceit where it's like all of the droids in the base are like, well, we got to get out of here. Right. And all the humans or all the Republic forces in the base are like, we have to destroy the droids. It adds a nice permanent stakes to the episode. It's like, yes, we understand why you have to do this. We understand what you're doing and why this is important. And I know sometimes I criticize these episodes for not having real stakes, but you feel the urgency of what they're doing the entire time they're doing this. And they're all sick. And they're getting worse. Yeah. So uh, at Iago, the planet is surrounded by a graveyard of ships and an asteroid field of moons. Now, this is – I thought this was a great design. Just like um, – that it's basically just like a planet that's just like – Instead of ringed by rocks or whatever, it's just ringed by de- starship debris um, of just um, ships that have been destroyed. Yeah, do you want to talk about the design of the planet now, or do you want to do that later? Um, we could do it later. Okay. Or now, I don't know. It doesn't matter to me. I, let's, I, go, let's go forward. There's other things about the planet okay. design. Yeah, the, the, the asteroid was, uh, the asteroid belt was kind of, or, sorry, not asteroid belt, but the kind of the wreckage belt was what really kind of like got me and it's like wow that's that's cool i really like the the look the whole the whole approach to this planet is gorgeous um and yeah i love i love the idea of like a graveyard for equipment and i love how this is just pulled off here because you just it's like an endless easter egg hunt for cool star wars shit Mm -hmm. and i i love just combing through the field i wish i should have put it on the big screen and paused it a couple times but it's just such a gorgeous shot right okay so they uh, land on a platform in a city built into the side of the mountain they are immediately greeted by a large group of uh, b1 battle droids uh, that are welcoming welcoming them to Iago. anakin attacks destroying 17 droids uh and then um 
before he realizes that they're not fighting back. Obi-Wan chides Anakin, saying that congratulations, you've destroyed 17 defenseless droids. And then another one falls over, and Anakin is just like, make that 18. Um, it's good banter. Yeah. <laughs> it's back you know, and forth like, banter. It's like your, your, man, your manager just told you you suck, and then so you just lean into <laughs> lean into whatever bad thing that you just did. Did you ever see the movie um, PCU? Yes. Politically Correct University or whatever. It's one of these like thoughtless comedies. But, but they started out they start out the movie by um, responding to a protest by PETA by throwing ground beef on it. Yeah. And when it's it's I think it's supposed to be like an Animal House style comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, the dean comes and says, uh, "You recently threw a hundred pounds of ground beef on a PETA protest," and the leader of the group says, "That was way more than a hundred pounds." <laughs> you dumped a hundred pounds of meat. On a peaceful vegan protest. Oh, come on. That was way more than 100 pounds. All right, I, so it's, it's that sort of joke. Yeah. All I can think of, wow, that's a lot of meat. Yeah, it's a big, that's a pretty expensive prank. Yeah, I, it, was a, it was a good movie overall. Uh, forgettable. But, um, yeah, so anyway. So um, the droids tell Obi-Wan and Anakin that uh, Jabo Hood wants an audience with them. So a boy shows up and asks... Anakin, um, Obi-Wan and Anakin, if they have uh, any idea how long it took to reprogram those story, droids. He lays in a hammock that's suspended from a vulture droid. That's kind of cool. Uh, Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Jabo discuss how he reprogrammed the droids, but they move on to the Reeksarut discussion quickly. Which... I want to stop here for a second, because we we get sort of a, before they move on to how to get this root, which is their ivermectin cure for this disease. In some states, poison control centers have received a dramatic spike in calls tied to ivermectin. You get to, like, pan through this group of droids, and, like, one of them is a speaker. Like, one of them is basically, like, his iPod, mm-hmm. like, playing music for him. And some they're all, like, vandalized, and some of their heads are on backward, and some of their limbs are the wrong color. It's very It's a very fun, like, army of automatons that he has cobbled together. I like all the little art details on yeah. them and that he's like you said, like the hammock is sort of a cool touch with the vulture droid legs, but he's doing that with all of these things. They're just toys to him. It's very cool. Yeah. And I like uh, the, I like it when they have like Anakin doing like kind of like banter from like his old life. He says something to, to Jabo asking him like, Oh, is this how you did it? He no. basically says, like, you updated their macros, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's how we did it. It's cool back and forth. Yeah, and so it was just um, – it's cool because, like, they, they did that in uh, – I can't think of the name of the the book. Um, it's set, like, right after um, right after the events of um, uh, Episode 2. Like, Anakin and a bunch of other Padawans are knighted. There's like a Cal Kestis sighting and um, there's talk about like, sorry, not talk, but it like goes, it goes into like there, like how Anakin and Padme kind of meet up and get away. And like, it, like in that, like he talks about like pod racing, like, like he, like he follows, like he's a enthusiast, like he follows, he, he follows the, um, the races. Yeah. I'm looking for the book. 
Brotherhood? Yeah, I think I think it was Brotherhood. Yeah, I think that's right. The Mike Chin book, Brotherhood, because it's about, yeah, I think that has to be it, based on li- this list of books. Man, that was a good book. Yeah. So, yeah, so I just, I, I, I like that when they have that, the little um, flashbacks to, like, like, his regular life, that he's, like, all throughout this, he's still, like, he's a Jedi, but he's still, like, big into, like, NASCAR. Like, he's, so you can Im- just imagine him, like, like on missions or just like in his downtime, like watching races or like, or like, or like, uh, like when he's doing something, he's checking like scores um, and whatever communication device he has. Yeah. That's a good detail. That's a great detail. Jabo says that uh, it doesn't matter because they can't leave the planet. So the, the planet is haunted or cursed, but anyone who tries to leave dies. Jabo says they can't get past Drew the phantom ruler of Iago. 50 of their best star pilots attempted to leave, and they all died in orbit. Anakin says they'll get the roots, then deal with Droll. So, uh, back at the base, Ahsoka is killing droid uh in a hallway battle. Um, in, the, in the fight, uh, Jar Jar screws up, and Padme's suit gets damaged, and she removes her helmet. Um, Ahsoka apologizes because she actually reflected back uh, a blast uh, and the, the hitter, but instead of being pissed, Padme, ever the professionals, like these things happen in war. I personally would be super pissed at Jar Jar, but I'm, I'm me, not Padme. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of a hothead too. I think I just would have shot Jar Jar at this point. I'm just like <laughs> we're all gonna die anyway. It's, it's like, but at the same time, I'd be like, I brought Jar Jar here. This is really on me. <laughs> that is a good point. I take it back. This is Padme's fault. Yeah, it's like why? It's like why? Why? Why they don't have him just like, like constantly like locked up like Hannibal Lecter, um, uh, in times where they don't like need him to move around. I I don't know why. So back on Diego, Anakin and Obi Wan are repelling a cliff face to get the root. Jabo tells them not to touch the vines because it'll alert the plants that they are coming, and to avoid the Zandu, large bat-like creatures. One of the Xandu flies out, and Obi-Wan and Anakin grab onto it, and it flies them to the bottom of the cliff where they can get the roots. I, I'm guessing they're just too heavy for it, so it was forced to, to land. Yeah, I think that's the case, because I think Anakin was hanging from it at first, and he tells Obi-Wan to grab onto it, and it looks like it's struggling at that point, and it's just it's like it's like a parachute for them, like a living parachute. It just slows their descent. Although they're Jedi, they should just be able to jump down. Whatever. Yeah. So uh, back at the lab, a uh, battle droid almost makes it through the outer hull. Ahsoka uses the force to pull him back into the lab and then destroys him with her lightsaber. And she is uh, obviously suffering from the effects of the virus. It was because somebody ate a, a Zandu. The blue shadow virus was because someone made Zandu meat or yes. Zandu soup? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, everybody knows that blue shadow virus is natural host reservoir are uh, Zandu's yeah. on Iago. It's the Iago virus. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> okay, so uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin are, are at the uh, bottom of the cliffs. They touch a vine and the plant turns to attack them. It's very much like uh, Audrey 2 sort of thing from Little Shop of Horrors. Um, Obi-Wan tells Anakin to get the root quickly so they can leave. Anakin pulls out your basic uh, camping show. Um, um, oh, trying to think of what those things like the those things have a proper name, but um, 
your basic small camping shovel. Yeah, it looks like a folding shovel or something. Yeah, something that everybody gets issued in the military. The plant is a multi-headed Venus flytrap, like I said before, uh, except it doesn't sing. And Anakin recovers the root, and they start climbing the cliff face to get away from the plants. They fight back with their lightsabers and make it back to Jabu. Jabo, sorry. Which, I don't think we know for a fact that it doesn't sing. <laughs> sure. But they they slice off like the, the, the heads of the plants as they're climbing up. And it's like, why, just didn't, why didn't they do that from the safety of the, the ground? But whatever, because they, they, cause the plants immediately back off. So then Jabo tells them that after the spice dried up, the separatists left. Aiego is just a backwater planet with a curse. Accordon tells them the planet is cursed by the ghost of Droll. He shows them how pilots are killed when they leave the planet, and they take off anyway. Now, I just wanted to say that, like, um, uh, they show a video of uh, Jabo's friend, uh, Arodian, and he say his name was Takito. Takito. And yep. I'm just thinking, like, are all his friends named after delicious treats you can get at, like, um, you can get at, like, uh, a sports bar? Yeah, I mean, his. they said 50 pilots had died in orbit, and according to the edit I've made to Wikipedia, <laughs> the names of the pilots that died in orbit are Crunchwrap Crunch Supreme, Five Layer Burrito, <laughs> Nachos Belgrande, um, Steak Quesadilla, Chalupa. <laughs> Let's not forget about the Wings Brothers, the spicy, like, spicy buffalo... Uh, honey mustard, honey barbecue, regular barbecue, and, and ghost but, ghost pepper, <laughs> and, and butthole destroying <laughs> wings. All of those brothers were lost, trying to escape Iago, and they were all friends of Jabos. Yeah, I I want to be very clear. I am not vandalizing Wikipedia with the Taco Bell menu. <laughs> I'm mostly, oh my god, his name really, like, there's an entry for Taquito <laughs> in Wikipedia. A Rodian pilot who lived during the last year's Galactic Republic in the Adoram planet of Diego. Oh, Taquito, poor Taquito. Yeah. Hmm. I kind of want to go to a sports bar. All right, let's finish this up so I can go to a sports bar. Um, okay. So Obi-Wan says the ghost of Droll might be a superstition, but might be based on something real. Jabo asks if they ran into Droll yet. A bunch of energy bolts shoot between the moons, creating a net. The people of the city are watching the lights from the ground. Obi-Wan orders Anakin to return to the planet. Now this is a very cool effect. It's like a big laser like net that gets activated and like they, like there's like em, like emitters or something like that on a bunch of the asteroids. I love this. I love this effect. It's it reminds me a lot of the original Star Trek series with the the Thelonian net, where they get caught. The Enterprise gets caught in a net of like energy beams created by a bunch of satellites. Um, but this effect just looks beautiful. I also love that the people in the city can see it from the ground. Yeah. I think that is just is just amazing because all they see are like these lightning bolts like streaking across the sky every time a ship leaves and then the ship dies or whoever's on the ship it dies. Um, 
I, I love this effect so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So the Twilight lands back on Iago and they receive a message from Ahsoka and Padme. Uh, Ahsoka tells them that uh, they destroyed all the droids uh, so the virus will not escape the lab, but both Ahsoka and Padme, along with all the clones, are infected. Padme says he needs to promise that no one will ever open the bunker. I want to be clear here that this is not this is a recorded message. Mm-hmm. Basically, he gets back to the planet and has a voicemail from Padme. Basically yeah. saying, do not ever open this bunker. Yeah. Which, uh, there's so, like, a little throwaway part of it was that uh, he's like, R2, can you like boost the message or boost the signal? It's just like, I could just think of, like, R2 is just like, oh, I'm going to play this for Anakin, but I'll just put it in volume one because fuck him. And then it takes Anakin saying, oh, can you do, make it stronger? Then he's like, all right, fine. It puts it at a regular volume. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why wouldn't he just play it at a more, like, at a, he play it so, like, at a power that they could just read the, not read, but, like, understand the message. All right, we can we can give uh, R2 his quarterly performance review right now. <laughs> yeah. We're looking for a droid that really anticipates our needs. Not someone who just responds to the task at hand, yeah. right? Yeah, and yeah a... I think it's I think it's a great point though, right? Like like why maybe he's just super literal, or maybe he is fucking with them. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it could just. I mean, I'm guessing it's just that like you hear some bad news, so you're like, I'll say that again, um, or like how you turn you like if you're trying to find somebody's house, you turn the radio down, that even though that has nothing to do with like the map. Or you're, trying or, pay, you're trying to pay attention, and so you're trying to like the humans have this idea that that their sense, senses can interfere with one another when they can't, right? So if you're trying to like smell something, sometimes you'll turn the radio down, mm-hmm. like smell this, and be like, all right, everyone, be quiet. Yeah, I, I, nothing to do with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every time I fart in my kid's face, I turn the radio down and be like, can you smell this? And then then I turn the radio up. How about now? And they're like, it's no difference, Dad. And we're leaving. We hate you. I don't do that. That's some solid. That's some solid science. Yeah, I don't do that. My kids actually do that to me. My kids yeah, are gross. Say, my kids fart on me all the time. Yeah, I've got two boys. They actually think it's funny. Yeah, no, I've got a boy and a girl, and they both think it's quite funny. My daughter did it to me just the other day. All of a sudden, it's just like I thought that like the because the dog had eaten some some Christmas cookies, so it was it had some really bad gas. So I thought it was the dog, and it's just like. And I'm just, I'm just laying there, and I just realize it's my daughter, and she's just like, ha, ah, and I'm just like, I literally like get up and start gagging and head to like the the French doors that lead to our backyard, because I'm just like, ah, ah. and she thinks it's just the funniest fucking thing. Yep, they got you. Yeah, I guess I would think it too if that was if I was a, if I wasn't the one on the receiving end. Okay, so let's see. How does how does Anakin take this message that Padme is going to die? <laughs> Not well. <laughs> <laughs> it's like nobody know Anakin in this universe. She's like, I need you to promise me you're never going to open open the uh, this uh, hatch to try to rescue us. And like the first thing he says is like, let's go open that hatch. <laughs> we got to rescue them. <laughs> let's do the opposite of what you just said. There's a I I can't remember if it was here or earlier where he's just like. We've we've got to help Padme. I mean, Senator Amidala and Obi Wan's just looking at him like, "This is like, yeah, I know." <laughs> I think it's I think it was a little bit earlier. I left that out of the notes because it's, it just feels excessive to point out every single time he thinks with his dick. Yeah, I was just thinking like, what if like he like 
like used a like um use whatever pet name he he has for her like like um well I don't want to say anything because it'll just be gross but something between them and then he's like sugar lips sugar li- or I'll, I'll use hot lips from Mash hot yeah. lips because and then extrapolate however whatever freaky stuff they're into or you're into to them be like oh we gotta save hot lips I mean Padme I mean center on Madala. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Obi-Wan and Anakin argue you about You understand how to... this means Angel Cheeks is going to die? <laughs> I mean, Pat, Senator, God I, damn it. I, I put a down payment on an Airbnb. I can't get that back. We were supposed to go. I mean, I was supposed to go training someplace that she may have been going to as well. Anyways. Did, Anyways. Did you catch a Punta Eve? The other day, what's the over under on on Sebulba? <laughs> Sebulba! I could just see I could just see Anakin at the track. He's got one of those hats, and he's just like he's like chosen one, my ass, and he just like throws whatever ticket and he like punches a hole in his in, in his hat, and he's out like a ton of money. <laughs> going going through the uh, tickets in the parking lot, <laughs> trying to find a winner. <laughs> they don't let him in anymore. <laughs> it's like you, like you will let me into the races. Like, no, we're not. <laughs> All right. So Anakin and Obi Wan argue about how to proceed. Anakin tells, "See, I like this degenerate gambler, Anakin. I've got to keep this going." <laughs> yeah, I like this. I like the subplot of Anakin where he he makes shitty bets on pod races. <laughs> We have the pod racing game. I should just, I'm going to play with the pod racing game this week. And uh, for our next recording, we can talk about uh, all the different circuits. <laughs> it's like, like who, who, just the equivalent, just like him, like the equivalent of like, I thought, like, I thought the Western generals were due. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're going to take my thumbs. <laughs> the robot one too. So, okay, so Anakin and Obi-Wan argue how to proceed. Anakin tells everyone that Droll is not a ghost, but a security system that keeps people from leaving. Obi-Wan asks if anyone lived on the moons before. The angels, of course, which is, gives uh, Anakin, it's like for a second, he's like, oh, forget Padme. Uh, so an angel shows up, uh, like some race of just very angelic looking uh uh, creatures, um, and she says that they used to live on one of the moons called uh, Milius Prime. The Separatists forced them to leave their moon. Anakin thinks that the main node for the security net is located near that moon. So, uh, one thing that's never talked about um, is A, why don't they want them to leave? Maybe there's something really awesome and strategic on there that they could use. Um, B, how superstitious are these people? That like Jabo is just like a kid. Well, say like fourteen. Within four, no, let's say let's say about like five, or maybe even like let's say seven years from like, because um, you're, you're kind of aware of things when you're seven years old. In seven years, they are now like, they've uh, they have a whole like superstition about this ghost in their sky. Yeah, it's a little bit. It's a, I agree with you that they don't. Like the third time I was watching it, it's when it occurred to me I was like, like, but why did, did they install this thing? 
right? Like, there's no reason given, even a speculative reason given to why this stupid thing exists. It seems like it's wildly impractical. Yeah. Um, and in, I don't know if they were, like, testing it here and they just left it. Uh, I would accept that as an answer. There was this throwaway line about how they used to make spice, but they don't do that anymore. Yeah. But the only, even if that's the case, then why would like like the separatists care about spice? Not really. The only thing I can think of is that there's something on the planet because like if if, if it blew people up before they got there, word would spread that that there's something going on there. But if they let people land, but then they just never leave. That could um, that makes a little bit more sense because like oh they they might find whatever secret but they're not going to leave. But even then, I think eventually people would be like, hey, these people keep disappearing when they go to Iago. Is it possible that they did it so people couldn't get the cure to the virus? There you go. It's not explained in the story at all. I'm just trying to think because they they act like they have to go get this virus, this root to cure the virus and it's deep in separatist territory and it's not occupied anymore, but it has this weird security system, but maybe that's it. It's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. That makes a lot more sense that, that maybe that they weren't doing spice. They were like actually getting like the, they were making the antidote um, for the separatists or they're, they're, they're they're immunizing um, or just stockpiling the cure for the separatists. So when they, when it devastated Republic space, they'd, they'd be um, they'd be safe to take over. Right, know. and they could they could still protect their people if they had to. Mm-hmm. Right, it's Planet Pfizer and Planet Moderna. Right? <laughs> yeah. And then, what did you think about these angels, though? Sorry, I didn't, I didn't move on too fast. No, no, that's fine. Uh, I thought it was uh, a cool kind of design. I thought it was kind of. Uh, it was a neat callback to episode one. Yeah, I was uh, going to ask you. I was going to play the clip, actually. Can I do it? Sure. Are you an angel? What? An angel. I heard the deep space pilots talk about them. They're the most beautiful creatures in the universe. They live on the moons of Diego, I think. You're a funny little boy. I'm not a little boy. My name's Anakin. Yeah, go ahead. And let's just recite the whole movie. <laughs> And you may not believe it or not, but in about 10 years, we're going to be bumping uglies. That is how that line goes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that is, but I assume it's something fun. I read the script of episode two, and you totally are into me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and oh, yeah, I, your sister is too, and all your friends. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I didn't right. it. So I'm on I am on the Legends tab of the Rixa plant, mm-hmm. and I am adding that it can sing. In Wikipedia, <laughs> it's known for its singing voice. <laughs> Let's see how long it takes him to take it down. <laughs> Feed me Seymour. Feed me all night long. <laughs> That's right, boy. You can do it. Feed me Seymour. Feed me all night long. <laughs> Feed me all night. All right. Okay. Um, so, so while they're thinking about it, uh, Obi Wan sees uh, 
some of Jabo's vulture droids, Obi-Wan wants to fly them by remote and destroy the energy net and escape the planet. And R2 will fly the droids. So in the lab, Jar Jar is the only one not infected. Are, clones are dying. Ahsoka passes out. There's little time left for the remaining characters except for Jar Jar. They've they've run out they've run out of uh, blur uh, dewormer, um, and so there's just there's not a, there's no they have nothing else. They 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 need a real cure. And it's it's shock dewormer. Ah, but blur dewormer is good. No, that's better. Blur dewormer. <laughs> I, I did love I did love that the everybody around them is basically dying because Rex is down there too and he's well we can talk about the design of them so when they're infected they're the virus is turning their blood blue and so their veins are starting to like show up in their skin as dark blue mm-hmm. and Padme and Ahsoka get deep circles under their eyes I the design of the characters that are sick looks pretty cool honestly yeah. it, it really they do a good job telegraphing that these people are not just sick they're dying yeah so it's got it's got to be bad for people who are just like uh like insomniacs who never see the light of day people see them they've got big bags under their eyes and they, they can see like they're so pale they can see their veins they're like, like blue shadow virus blue shadow virus carrier <laughs> um the other thing um uh, I forgot what I was going to say. It totally just left my head. I'm sure it was hilarious and informative. Yeah, I bet it was. I'm just going to assume it was. <laughs> Man, what you all... just said was just spot on. Wow. Leave all this in the episode, too. Yes. <laughs> um, what the hell was I going to say? You were... Oh, right. The fact that Jar Jar is the only one that's not sick, and they've already telegraphed the instructions to the outside world to never open the bunker... <laughs> I'm pretty sure this means that Jar Jar starves to death. Yeah, or, yeah. He no, takes or, his own life eventually. Or he, or he, knowing Jar Jar, he opens the bunker. He opens the bunker. Yeah. No, yeah. You, like you, if that's the case, like if, if Jar Jar is the only one left, you don't leave it to like fail safes. You like, hey, Jar Jar, like I think there's st- something stuck in the barrel of my blaster. Can you look at it? Or. Yeah, that that's my theory. Is yeah. that they have to they have to deal with Jar Jar before he trips and knocks over a bunch of shelves and punches a hole in the side of the this lab. Yeah, and then you just tell Padme that he just went to a farm upstate, and he'll be totally fine. That's right, a that's, that's that's a that's a joke, Matt. You're supposed to laugh at those. Sorry, I will laugh at the next one. I promise. Yeah, you better. Okay, so. Back in Niego, the vulture droids take off with the twilight. R2 crashes the droids into the laser generators while the twilight shoots the main node on Neely's Prime. Jabo and the citizens of Iego watch the energy network explode. Obi-Wan and Anakin tell them that they're all free again. Then Obi-Wan and Anakin jump into hyperspace back to Naboo. So now on Naboo, um, I'm assuming some time has passed. Um... On Naboo, Padme is talking to Anakin while she lays on a stretcher. Anakin tells her that Ahsoka was brilliant. Anakin tells her that the medical droid uh, expects her to make a full recovery. And she asks if she will see him soon. Yeah, um, as soon as I pay off some of my gambling debts. Yeah, he has to go see a, a hut about a horse. <laughs> He's just recently realized that uh, people can bet on um, what are those giant things from Fadi Last Jedi? 
the Fathers. Fathers, yeah. Yes. He's recently discovered Fathers Racing. Yeah. And he owes he owes a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Wait till he learns about Fantasy Pod Racing. Yeah, Fantasy that, pod, pod Racing League. Yeah, that's that's actually why he turns to the dark side is because uh, Palpatine says that uh, he'll pay off all of Anakin's debts if he if he goes to the dark side. It's a good deal. <laughs> well, well, will he pay off my student loan debts? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> he, Nobody will. He had <laughs> no. Palpatine had to pay his off, so. It's, it'd be unfair that everybody else gets a pay theirs paid off. God, okay, imagine that, that does make sense. God, man, imagine getting Jedi, making Jedi Knight, and all of a sudden you're given a bill. Like, okay, here's a bill for all your room, room and board and training. Since you were two. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, like, okay, I'm leaving now. It's like, no, you got to stay because you you got to work off this debt. That's why never oh. nobody leaves the order. I want this to be the Grand Inquisitor's backstory now, <laughs> where he he consolidates his Jedi student loans at too high of an interest rate, and he can never pay them down. <laughs> so he takes a shitty job guarding the temple. <laughs> you said ten years of public service guarding the temple was was good enough for forgiveness. Now you're telling me it's 20. <laughs> well, Yoda speaks in riddles, so it could be up to interpretation. Okay, so um, then let's see. Anakin talks to Jar Jar, helps him get his helmet off. Okay, so it's... Oh, boy. Okay. So he gets his helmet off. Obi-Wan says that they will train him on how to use a blaster. Rex, who's also on a stretcher, says he's not going to train Jar Jar. Anakin teases Ahsoka. The ship takes off. The end. In, I do like the parting shot of Rex saying, like, I'm not training him. Yeah. In reality, they get back to Naboo with the root, and they find out it's going to take, like, six months to make the antidote out of the uh, out of the root. Um, everybody dies. Or they're like, hey, we have this root. And so they just, like, like everybody out. And they're like, oh, it's going to take six months. So then everybody dies because the... That's like saying I have a cow. Um, like, do you want a hamburger? It's like, well, no. You've there's a lot of steps in between uh, a cow and a hamburger. Yeah, and, they don't really they don't really address how they make the cure, other than it's an ex- extract of this root. And there has to be there has to be a lot of time passage because they can't let them out of the lab until they destroy the virus, right? Because and Jar Jar still has his helmet on. I think I think it's a I, I think it's meant to be like like an enema um and so they're um there or they they get rubbed on them or something i I don't know that's the only way that's just like the root just it's just just come in contact with the root and you're cured or you're no longer um you're no longer contagious just knowledge of the root yes (laughs) makes makes you feel better yes if that's the case then they could have just said hey we have the root and like okay great i'm cured yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's let's do the. Did you like it though? Oh man, I was hoping to get a science lesson because this is your bread and butter. But okay, fine. Um, yeah, I did. I did like this episode. Um, it's kind of. I mean, it was a second parter, but it was kind of a. It's a very nice, compacted story. It's everything resolved and back onto other things. So here's a. We don't have a lot of trivia about this episode, for and I'll tell you why. 
um, this episode was a, a late addition to the order. Um, they never, in the first draft of the season one, they didn't have a follow-up episode to the Blue Shadow Virus. They only added it because when they saw the whole season laid out in front of them, um, George basically said, uh, we have space to do a follow-up episode for the Blue Shadow Virus, so let's write it. And so it was one of the last episodes written for the season, and they sort of slotted it in. And so it's good to hear that you liked it. My question to you now is, do you think it's necessary? Um, no. Yeah, because it was definitely, everything was all wrapped up with um, the previous episode. Because uh, usually when they have like a two-parter, there's some sort of cliffhanger. Right. Um, and so when we talked about last week, there were changes made late to the script. And they'd already storyboarded the episode and started the animation. One of the things they changed was um, the Lepi droid, right? They they showed the Lepi droid more in the episode than they planned on because they needed to set up that this droid was sort of handling the virus. Um, so that I like that, that they went back and changed things late to make it a little bit more continuity in between the two episodes. But I, I agree, I don't think this episode needs to happen at all. It, it, it puts Padme and Ahsoka in imminent danger. It sort of shows what the virus does, which is good to see because we didn't see what it did in the last episode. But you know they're not going to wipe out a whole planet, right? And yeah, not in a cartoon at least. Not in a cartoon. And making Jar Jar be the reason why Padme gets sick and not have any consequence to Jar Jar is not a great piece to this episode, I think. But I guess it's the character of Jar Jar. Where he's yeah. got like incompetence armor. <laughs> it's like he's not competent, right? He's just he's not heavy. He's my brother. Yeah, he's. But the, I agree. I think it's a good episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So the fortune cookie. Do you think that it um, that uh, that it um, holds true? A single chance is a galaxy of hope. I mean, I guess so. Yeah. I mean. That's what that's what Anakin believes every time he goes to the dog track. <laughs> that's what it's referring to. No. Yeah. Yeah, he's like he, they they don't make it this they don't make him master not because um he doesn't deserve it is because he keeps on stealing hol- holocrons and and pawning them for credits. Anakin, we have to talk about your expense report on this last trip. <laughs> Do you need to go back to training to figure out what is and isn't it an expense? <laughs> Food goes on the per diem. Gambling, not so much. <laughs> okay. I don't know. The single chance is a galaxy of hope. I guess is talking about the fact that this root cured the disease and that's their single chance. And yeah. And the hope is that they can still save their friends rather than nuke it from orbit. Like they should have like anybody else would have, but yeah, I don't know. It, yeah. I guess if it's what you think. Yeah. The, 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 the stakes could have been a little bit higher by them. Like, to, like maybe it's like, like having like, uh, like a, a venator in orbit that's just like, like we can't allow this to escape so 
like they're gonna bombard it from orbit or they're just gonna like or like the like the Naboo um, military is just gonna just do constant sorties just destroying um, that area till it's like glass uh, so the, so then there's not that well there's the dying but then there's the also like this can't ever escape we've got a the people are they're gonna destroy they're gonna destroy us in, in an attempt to contain this because yeah you know, like, I think I guess my, my issue with that plot though is in the first episode some of it does leak out and it's in the water yeah well let, let's not split hairs here it all right fine it it, it, it all it uh, it just killed the those animals and then it just magically disappeared like viruses do don't think too much about it is what i'm trying to say yeah so i was uh, googling yeah. this to make sure that it was uh public yeah. um but i when i worked at the nih um they found a a researcher died while i was working at the nih because people get old and die he ate your lunch yeah, yeah he ate my lunch <laughs> no um so they're clearing out this guy's lab which happens all the time uh and it falls to existing researchers to clear out people's labs and when they opened up a freezer like a, a freezer that was this guy's possession they had a bot there's a box in the freezer that was labeled variola and variola is the old name that scientists used for smallpox when they would store um samples of smallpox for research and this guy had been at the nih campus since the 70s um, and so this is a very similar situation where we don't vaccinate against smallpox anymore. And people found a vial of smallpox in this guy's lab because he was around when research was still being done on smallpox. And so we had to do – what's that? Oh, I was going to say that's wild. Yeah, I also knew I, – I Googled to make sure it was public before we started talking about it. <laughs> yeah, but, good idea. But here, yeah, I'll have to do that sometimes. There's a link to the Nature article, um, but there's also news articles about it. So when when this happened, um, we had to do a drawer-by-drawer drawer search of the whole campus to make sure there weren't any select agents that were unaccounted for. Yeah. Did, On campus, it took fucking forever. Did, did they find all your uh, Star Wars slash fic? Yeah, they found all of that, but I... I no, I, I actually, it was a lot, it was a very stressful time because at the time I worked with select agents mm -hmm. and we weren't, well, I don't know how much of this we can share, but I'll just say like, like people knew what we had. We had to, we had to log what we had, but it wasn't super well controlled at the time. Huh. And this, this whole thing was like, like brought it up, right? It's a controlled access campus, but no one knew how much of these things there were at the time and so i work in infectious disease i was growing all sorts of things like cholera and, and stuff like that just because i had to have access to it and and like that's not super dangerous but it was wild to find like a vial of smallpox in like a lab um i've been vaccinated against smallpox because i i had to at one point because of my work but nobody else is right like the general population isn't just like a wild thing to find and sort of some of these things where it's like oh now this is back out in the wild because of this water contamination just reminded me of this um incident from 
like 10, 15 years ago where it's just like did, like so-and-so had a bottle, uh, a box labeled variola. Did he even know? That's that's the, that's the thing I... Oh, I think it was... So he had a collection. So this is also like... Like scientists are weirdos. Like they're a bunch of like, oh, like, like weird people. And he had a bunch of different viruses in that freezer. There, and I, I'm sure he knew what he had. At, at least at one point. Maybe he didn't know... Maybe he didn't think he still had it, but when he the, stored it in the seventies, he definitely knew what he was doing. He labeled it. Yeah, there's a um, nice joke um, about how like like if when, I mean I don't know if we've joked, but I've like with other people that said like like if I suddenly die, like you need to come over and uh, wipe my computer clean because I don't want them finding pornography. So I wonder if you need to have some sort of deal with your other people. In research, be like, if I die, make sure they don't find the weird, crazy stuff that I've got. What do you care if you're dead? <laughs> but like your uh, your family, friends, reputation. Okay, if you die, I'm gonna go over and delete your cache. Delete, yeah, delete your internet history. <laughs> yeah, no, I do I don't have a lab anymore. Well, not not a infectious disease lab. I have a beer laboratory now where I grow yeast to make beer. But um, yeah, I, do, I, I just don't think there's a lot of you just don't think about it, right? Like we used to talk, we've talked about cloning before, right? But when you're when you do a lot of molecular cloning, you store thousands of samples, just thousands of them, and so you have these huge catalogs of of stuff that you're working with, mm-hmm. and it's very easy to forget what you have or forget that you have like a box of some disease. Like in a freezer someplace, but not anymore. I don't work on that anymore, so I don't have to keep any of that straight. <laughs> it's just like a funny. It was a funny thing. I was I came into work one day and everyone was very upset, and I was like, "What's going on?" They're like, "Oh, so and so, they're clearing out so and so's lab, and they found a box of smallpox." And I was like, "Alive?" And they're like, "It's being tested. <laughs> like, see, see if it's alive." And I was like, "Oh, cool." Yeah, um, that's. I mean, I'm so neurotic when it comes to, like, locking the front door, like, at night. I can't imagine to be, like, I'm just driving home. It's like, oh, fuck, I left, I left smallpox in the fridge at work. <laughs> so he's like, god damn it. So you got to flip a Yui and go back. I'm telling you, you're, you're thinking about this incorrectly. He wanted smallpox in the fridge. And so he was like, smallpox is in the fridge. Nice job. <laughs> Anyway, oh, oh. we'll see how much I leave of that I leave in the episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. At the end of the last paragraph, NIH says it plans to conduct a comprehensive search of all of its laboratory spaces as soon as possible. But such a move may not be sufficient to find other forgotten stocks if they exist, says Jerling. Because disorganized scientists could have squirreled samples away in unexpected places decades ago. You could lock down and count every ampule and still not find it. He said, we did it. Like, we did a drawer-by-drawer search of the entire facility. It took months. I'm I'm reading this as virologists are pack rats. He says of their hoarding (laughs) tendencies. (laughs) God. (laughs) You were trained to save samples. That's all I'll say. You were supposed to. It's drilled into you that you have to save everything. And yes, it makes them pack rats. 
there were there were rooms on campus that have hundreds of cryo freezers in them, and we're talking about like like seven foot tall refrigerators that are like at negative eighty, and they're just like hundreds of them in a room, and we went through every single one of them, every box, every drawer, looking for stuff. After this incident, I'm telling you, it took months, and like those, yeah. Yeah, very, very uncomfortable work, right? Because handling liquid nitrogen and dry ice and going into cryo-freezers and things like that, not fun. To look for something you don't even think you're going to find, which is more vials of smallpox or one of the other organisms on the list that they were, wanted us to check for. Oh, fun times. <laughs> All right, where, where are we in the notes? Yeah, no, I just see, like, you're like... Okay, we're looking for smallpox. Hmm. Super AIDS? No, not worried about that. Hmm. Ultra, ultra Ebola? Hmm. No, put that back in the in the in the mini fridge. Just all the uh, all the really bad things that you got, I got missed. That's. Uh. I just have a couple. I just have a couple things about trivia. If you would go through them real quick. Um, like I said, there isn't a whole lot of trivia because this one was sort of written at the end of the season and uh, all the interviews are pretty like, we were just happy to get it in there sort of thing. But the city on Iego is an unused uh, city design from the Phantom Menace. So there's those two tie-ins to the Phantom Menace with the clip I played earlier with baby Anakin asking Padden it may if she's an angel, not because she's beautiful because there's an alien in this universe called angels for some reason. <sighs> Um, and then the makeup of the planet Iago is one, the design team said when George came to us with this idea of a planet that had a thousand moons, everyone was very upset. They're like, they're like, we can't render like three moons. How are we going to do a thousand? They figured out a way to do it. I thought, I think it turned out beautiful, mm -hmm. but the actual makeup of the planet, it's supposed to be like a cliff planet, but in production material, they refer to those cliffs as salt spires. It's a planet of dark salt spires. So, what do you think of the planet Iego? Yeah, it's cool. I, I was actually watching it, just kind of like the scene where they're coming, they're flying to it. And there's actually, they pass by a dead body. I didn't see that. That's amazing. I didn't see that either. <laughs> uh, I think it's a clone. I think it's a clone, maybe? I don't That'd know. Be wild. That'd be wild. Probably do something in a spacesuit. Yeah, yeah, probably. But yeah, I was just like, "Ooh, that's weird, creepy." <laughs> uh, I'm fine moving on to the rating. Okay. I don't, have, I don't have very much else as far as trivia is concerned. We're getting pretty long. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now's the time where we uh, rate an episode. We rate episodes by characters. So a really great episode would be an original trilogy character such as Han, Luke, Leia, Chewie, Vader, etc. A really bad episode would just be somebody just awful or just completely um, forgettable. It's like. I'm gonna keep, if you can't think of any, I'm gonna keep playing up droids characters. <laughs> Well, Uncle Gundy. Uncle Gundy. <laughs> okay. So, um, so Matt, what's your uh, what's your rating for this episode? I think it's a good episode, but like I said, I think it's frivolous. Um, so I'm just going to give it a peppy bow. I like the character, but take it or leave it. 
Peppy Bow is the gun gun from the first episode. Ah, okay. Um, How about you? Give it a rest, Tyrell, because it was just there for just fun, watching the thing explode. Um, his pot, his pot exploding, it didn't really add anything to it. Uh, but it was cute and fun. So, um, not, so that, yeah, so that's just, this was cute and fun. But I, th- I think what really kind of, kind of changed it for me was the fact that, like, finding out that it was just like, a, it was just kind of slapped on at the last minute. Yeah, it's, they had time in the schedule, so they made it, that's the reason. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, can we move on? Uh, yeah. All right, I'm going to roll the die, because I do that. Um, even though you wish I didn't. We'll let the fate decide, huh? I just happen to have a chance cube here. Blue, it's the boy. Red, his mother. Uh, at the end of every one of these review episodes, we roll a d20 to determine what we're going to be watching next. I film the roll for evidence. Um, if I roll a one... We are going to review a Ewoks episode from the 1985 series Ewoks. If I roll any other number, we are going to review the next episode in the Clone Wars continuity order, which is Storm Over Ryloth, Season 1, Episode 19. You ready? Yep. All right. I'm filming. I rolled an 11. So Storm Over Ryloth it is. Okay. All right. You want to take us out? All right. Cool. So, uh... Just want to thank everybody for listening. Um, tell a friend or tell an enemy about us just to screw with them. But uh, until next time. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewa, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at noochbaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Da 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 da